So we have Eric and Shelly back this morning for week two. Uh, I got to hear them last week at North. It's just really important, really good stuff. So uh, the, this is your last shot to hear them. So ask them hard questions or whatever you want to at the end. But uh, no, seriously, it's really good. Father, I pray you'll be with Eric and Shelly this morning as they speak to us, Lord on how to battle for the hearts of our kids. Lord, uh, bless them with the presence and power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. Hey, Randy, I'm a little nervous. I think that's on? Okay, it's on. Awesome. Not seeing the green. Good morning, gentlemen. It's good to be with you all today. Uh, Eric and I are going <clears> to <throat> tag team this again. And you're going to get the way better half when he starts, but we're going to go for it. I think Randy's taking care of that. Okay, I want to start and get this out of the way. Uh, Randy and I have talked about this book. Um, we're reading through it right now. It's called When Your War, Fight in the uh, Realm You Don't See for the Freedom and the One That You Do. It's by Mark Driscoll. He just got this book at the Gateway Conference that our pastors went to, and everything I'm reading about it is incredible. Um, We're actually trying, we've been encouraged that we have been appropriating some of that uh, in our parenting, but as you read it, I encourage you to read it through a lens also of parenting, that you add, you add specifically how you war for your kids. Um, So this is a really important but also very vulnerable teaching for us we are in the throes uh some of y'all weren't here when uh when randy introduced us last week but we have five boys everybody go oh yeah bless right um we're very blessed actually we have uh adopted 33 year old from mozambique we have um a senior in high school bless mama as she lets her first one go uh, and we have a sophomore in high school, we have a 8th grader in junior high, and we have a 10-year-old in 4th grade. So we're the gamut, except for we are sleeping through the night, praise the Lord. So this is good. Um, <clears throat> but in the last year, um, I, I can't really think of very many things that we haven't had to war through with that gamut of age range. And so we're in this with you. Um, I always like to say when we start out parenting, teaching, that we bind every other spirit and, and the accuser's voice, every other spirit other than the Holy Spirit, everything we talk about today. Um, it doesn't matter how well you think you've done it or how bad you think you've done it. Um, Jesus has got our kids, right? And he is going to keep helping form us as fathers into the father's image with our own children and the greatest thing about kids is they were designed in their dna to need you however great or terrible you do it they need you and because of that need for you there's a whole lot of grace in their hearts for you and so anytime we kind of turn and get on the track as parents to do and model and be god's heart to our kids they're designed Spiritual or natural kids, they are designed to respond to fathering, to your fathering. 
And I just want to encourage you as we go through it, do not let the enemy come with his accusation, condemnation, judgment. I just bind all that because he really likes to come in that way. And I just speak a spirit of encouragement and empowerment and blessing from the Father on you as you hear these things that we talk about. So having said that, I want to start with this. You are, again, and we said this last week, but you are the most powerful influence over your children in this natural earth. You have been given the authority by God to father them. You have been given authority over them, over the devil and his schemes over them. And one of the biggest battles you'll fight for over your children first is the fight to believe that. To believe that what you see in the natural going on with your kids is not what is more powerful than the God you serve and the God that's within you. And the prayers that you pray and the declarations that you make and the things that you speak over your kids is more powerful than all the forces that are going to come against them in this natural world. And amen that there are many right now, right? Anybody like us feel a little bit overwhelmed for your kids or your grandkids at the world that they're growing up in? You're like, God, help us. Well, the good news is he's going to help us. And he already has. He's already given us um, spiritual authority over your children. So you are... Your, um, the spiritual battle over your kids is two things for sure. And you need to remember this because it will be important. It's real. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual author- powers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And when you see the manifestation of warfare over your kids, however it comes, if it comes through others, if it comes through the internet, if it comes through yourself, if it comes through, if it comes through, um, <clears throat> themselves, honestly, their own rebellion, it's real. But it's not them. You are dealing with spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. And it's really hard when your kid's screaming in your face to remember that there's a different battle because it's so, it's kind of like with your spouse. It's so tangible. It's like you, you are the problem. He's not, but I'm just saying you know what I mean? And it's like, no. There is, and we're going to see this in Scripture, what God does. So it's real. And we can't hide from it. We can't run from it. We can't ignore it. And it's also constant. And I want that last word to drive us to our number one, spirit, our, our two most powerful spiritual weapons, which are prayer and the Word of God. You don't fight... You don't, you don't fight chemical warfare with a gun. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to know your battle and know your strategy. And your mouth is not going to convince that thing that's operating around or through your kid. It's not going to work, right? There are things that work against the things that are coming and attacking our children that they are, yes, maybe partnering with sometimes if they're aware, or sometimes they're not even aware, okay? And it's our job to be aware. It's real, it's constant, and we have to know our weapons. And prayer and the Word of God are two of our most powerful weapons. So, 
Sorry, this is not working. You are your children's spiritual covering. Now, I want you to get an image here, okay, of the battlefield, and you have your kids, and the, the bullets are coming, all right? What are you going to do? If, they're, uh, if, you're, uh, if y'all are together and you're under siege, what are you going to do with your kids? You're going to get them either underneath you, where you're taking the bullets, behind you. You're going to be the protective covering. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying you have to be perfect. Everybody say, I'm not perfect. I'm not saying in this statement that you have to be perfect. I am saying where you have open doors, they are free targets. You have an open door to lying, watch your children struggle with deception. You have an open door to anger, watch your children struggle with anger. You have an open door to sexual addiction, watch your children struggle with sexual addiction. So I am saying the number one thing you want to do to cover your children spiritually is to deal with your own stuff and quickly. Quickly. Because this God that we serve, that's a generational God that promises that righteousness is passed on to the third, I mean, to the thousands of generations, also says our stuff passes on. So come on, let's shore up those holes, if you will. Let's shore up the places that are blatant where we have sown ourselves to unrighteousness or to, to the ways of the kingdom of darkness where it's just a free-for-all. So I can't state that enough. I'm gonna, we're going to talk about how we actually deal with our kids. But w- because it's a spiritual battle and because there's spiritual laws at play, Your most important covering over your children is your own walk with Christ and your own own, um, warfare that you do in agreeing with him and and getting those places shored up. So the real battle, when we begin to fight in the spiritual realm, it's actually where the, the, the true battle is vying for you and your children's agreement. Everybody say agreement. And you've been taught this as y'all have gone through these teachings, uh, some of the freedom teachings. If you've gone through the freedom classes, all your boot camp stuff will talk about how important it is about what we believe, okay, and who we believe. So if in our parenting we begin to see the battle rage, right? Can y'all get a picture right now of your kids and what it looks like when the battle rages? It's real fun, isn't it? Or your grandkids. I mean, some of y'all are fighting really hard for your grandkids and... When you're in that process, it's really, really easy to start looking in the natural. That's, our, that's just going to be our go-to. And, and you can watch yourself as a parent, and, and you know your tendencies. Like when we start operating in the natural, it doesn't go real well. Does it go real well at y'all's house? I mean, I, I start looking at the situation, right? And I start thinking of all the ways that I need to discipline, train, speak, change, force, control, manipulate. I'm just naming all the ones that come out at our house. And um, it just gets messier and messier. It's like grenades going off, right? And, um, and then I, we have to back up, y'all. We, we just straight up have to back up. 
and say what we're seeing in the natural is not all we're fighting against. And where is our agreement? And I'm not just talking about unity, though that helps tremendously in your marriage over your children when you get in agreement with your spouse. Let me tell you, there are times we've been in spiritual warfare over our kids. I completely disagree with him. Utterly. Like I could have my 9,000 things of why I think that the way that he's handling that situation with our kids is wrong. And you know what I've learned to do? Just get straight underneath him. Because there is more power in agreement than there is in all the ways that either one of us are more right than the other in, in our situations with our kids. I, I'm right. Is this true? We found this. We, we can contend. We battle it out. In, in the, I think we need to give him this consequence. I think we need to give him grace. I think we need to teach him this. Well, I think God's doing this with him. And eventually, he has done it with me, and I have done it with him. I yield. I yield to the Spirit of God in you, Shelly. We're going to go with what you think this time. And you know what? Whatever it is I'm seeing and I'm thinking, when this man comes in humility and says, we're in agreement, we're, enemy, we're in agreement, God, we're in agreement, this is what we're asking you to do in our child. This is how we're going to handle it. It's amazing the blessing that comes. Same thing. I'll come to him sometimes and be like, I disagree. I, I think this, there's a better way. But you feel really strongly about this with our kids. So I'm coming directly underneath you. And this is how we're going to go after this thing that's, that's going on with our kids. And we've watched the blessing of God come from that. But more important in my mind... That was a side note. wasn't in my notes. But I'm telling you, more important is your mindset of agreement. When you see things manifesting in your children, attacks from the enemy, things they're saying about themselves, things they're saying about you as a parent, because they do do that, right? Y'all, anybody else have manipulative kids that try to start telling, telling you how horrible you are and how much you don't love them and how much you don't care? Okay, um, so our... The vying in the spiritual realm is for you to agree with either what God says over your child, who God says your child is, who God, who God says your child is going to be, and the outcome your child is going to have over the warfare they're in, or what the enemy says. And this is huge. I just, I can't even tell you. You are either going to be believing God's truth or believing the lies of the enemy in regards to your child. This can be over their character. This can be over their situation. I was thinking of some different ones we've battled that I'm going to share with you. So, <laughs> any of y'all have kids that get bullied or have experienced extreme rejection or have different parts of their personality that are just kind of socially awkward? I'm asking, like, let's be vulnerable. Anybody? Okay, any of you have um, kids that walk in extreme favor? We have, we have some of each of these, okay? Like extreme, it's just stupid favor. You're just like every, everything they go, everything they do, touch it, turns to gold, everybody loves them. And, and it's interesting how the enemy will come. And if, if they're struggling, if they're going through the patterns of, you know, rejection or something, you can start believing our kid is never going to. They're never going to have friends. They're never going to be okay. Like, how are they going to, you know, and, and, and then you start doing weird things in parenting when you start believing the lies of the enemy over your kid, right? Like, you're, you're not, like, when your kid is struggling all the time, then you might not discipline them like you need to because you don't, 
they hurt all the time anyway. Or the favor kid, right, that gets the glory child. If you start believing Liza Emmy, well, you know, he's going to get prideful. She's going to get, you know, what, she's not going to be able to make it when she goes through hard times. No, stop. Stay in the truth of God over your children and war from the place of truth. Why is that so important? Because honestly, your kids are going to follow your agreement. They're just going to follow your agreement. That's all I know how to say. If, and it will start coming out of your mouth. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> believing God, God's truth, or believing the lies of the enemy, what we believe, you need to hear this, sets the pathway for victory and restored relationship or isolation and defeat. I'm going to say that again. What we believe as parents sets the pathway for victory and restored relationship or isolation and defeat. I don't know why we are missing this slide. Okay. So when your kids start lying or your kids start deceiving, because they kind of go together, but there are two separate things, okay? Um, when your kids start failing, when your kids um, start manipulating and controlling, okay? We start believing certain things. And the longer it goes on, typically the more entrenched our belief system can become over them. Okay? So I want you to think right now about your kids, spiritual or natural, and I want you to think about some of the things that you're tempted to judge and believe about them. And then I want you to throw some out. Because I got five of them, so you wouldn't know which one I'm talking about anyway. Eric, what are some of the things? I'm going to start with you. What are some of the things that we've been tempted to believe over our kids? Based on their imperfection or their struggles. That they're rebellious. Okay. Now, okay, they're going to lie to get what they want. Selfish. Selfish. Smart ass. Smart ass for real. A freaking man. Okay, what now? Okay, keep going because that's just true. Huh? Sexual temptation. They're going to get sexually addicted to something. What else? I got. Ah, right? We see this much of ourselves in them and we're like, I'm going to jump on that because you don't need to turn out like me in that place. Okay? All right. So I'm going to give you some of mine with each one. Okay? Uh, he, his gift is um, his gift is truth and justice but he doesn't know how to walk in mercy okay um, his gift is um, pastoral care because he cares about everybody um, but he is going to get run over in his life he's not going to be strong enough to stand up Uh, my third one. What do I believe about him? He's my easy one. Anybody have an easy one? It's like, ah. Um, but one of the things that I've thought about him, because he is my peacemaker and he is my joy bringer, is that when it gets hard relationally, he's going to back up and not lead. Okay. Um, my last one. It's just he's going he's gonna to overthrow the world and 
because he's apostolic in every way and a very strong leader, and that he's going to struggle to come under authority. Okay. Those are some of the lies based on their gift sets and, and their, their weaknesses. Okay. So we have to come in whatever place we're seeing, and we have to say, I see the temptation to believe this, to speak this, to say this, or even to appropriate my discipline based on a fear or a lie over my kid. Anybody? Have you ever seen yourself overreact to something going on in your kid because you're afraid of what that will lead to? And we don't stay in the truth of God, and most of the time we don't speak the truth of God over them in that place. So we have one that, I mean, he just went through a season of lying when he was young, just straight to our face. We're like, we have the proof. Why are you still holding on to this lie? And we realize, okay, truth and justice is his thing. So the enemy is coming with a season of lying that was unprecedented, y'all. I was like, oh my gosh. And so I start, the temptation is to believe the lie. You know, he's, he's a liar. He's becoming a liar. no. And when we would discipline him, every single time we would say, you are a truth teller. And at four, he's saying to us, I am a truth teller. Yes, that is who you are. Are you telling the truth? Yes. No, you're not. (laughs) Are you about to get disciplined for not telling the truth? I'm telling the truth. No, here's your discipline. I am not saying, y'all, I'm not in a law law world, okay, over no discipline. We discipline these things because we love them. We shepherd these things because we believe in God's passion and truth over them. But we always declare truth over our kids. We, we do not go at them, you're lying and you're, you're going to become a liar and you're lying all the time. No, you speak the truth first because the truth overcomes the darkness and what we believe sets the pathway for their victory and restored relationship or they're going to start believing the lies we're speaking over them y'all and is there okay I'm really asking for genuineness here have you ever heard things coming out of your mouth over your kid that you're thinking please no why, why did I just say that and if you really weigh your words which kingdom is it in agreement with And your power and your authority, not just in what you speak, but how you approach your kids, is convincing them of one thing or the other. And I want my children convinced of who they are in God, not who who their flesh is acting like. Right? I mean, what does God do with you when your flesh is flailing and going crazy? He doesn't come and say, well, you sure are this. He comes and says, you sure are this, therefore this needs to change, right? I mean, this is how we parent. We parent like the Father heart of God. Okay, now we're going to keep going. Okay, love, careful approach, and faithfulness sets a pathway for our children to access God. This is important. Our motive, y'all, when, when their flesh is flailing and stuff's going on with our kids, it hits our stuff. There's just no way it doesn't. Nothing affects you like a child, right? Except maybe your spouse sometimes. But for real, our children affect us. And we have to make sure before we're going in to handle situations that we're in alignment with love, that our desire is to love them 
and, and make sure that they know who they are in God. Our careful approach, we're going to watch our words. We're going to make sure that our, we're setting the pathway for a redemptive, connected, everybody say connected, connected interaction with our children. And we're going to be faithful. We're going to set our mindset, y'all, to where we're in this for the long haul. And I'm telling you, the number of times with some of our kids, we've had to go back and address the same issue, and I'll address it 10,000 times before I'll give up, lay down, and say, well, that's just who they are. Nope. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. That's not who they are. And we're, we're going to keep fighting and contending until we see who they are in God. Relationship is the key. <clears throat> I can't tell you the number of times that we have laid down our implementation of discipline in the moment until we can get our own together, our own crowd together. And we can either get out of anger and frustration and hurt and disappointment with our child, or we can get in unity together and go in in love. We will wait sometimes. We will say to our children, we will deal with this, but your mom and dad need some time. We're too hurt, we're too sad, we're too mad. But we'll come back and we'll appropriate the right discipline at the right time, so don't think you're off the hook. But we're going we're gonna to have some time with the Lord on this. And we, y'all, we spent up to three days one time figuring out what in the world we were going to do, and it was miserable for this one. He was like, come on, let's just, y'all just tell me what my discipline is, right? But we really couldn't figure out, y'all, if we were supposed to give grace and just shepherd him, or if we were supposed to nail that thing to the wall this time. Do you hear? Like, it wasn't like a kind of in-between. It was like we're either going hardcore and the line is being drawn in the sand and that looks like this massive discipline, or we're about to give massive grace. And sometimes it just takes time. And then how, how, you approach them as everything because you just always want that and when you're interacting with your children in, in spiritual warfare situations, you're wanting to speak the truth and you're wanting them connected to your heart and to God's heart about that situation. And we're going to see this in just a minute, but I want to go to this one part. <clears throat> Stay in trust, confidence, and authority. When you are dealing with a spiritual battle in your child. You stay trusting God that the outcome is victory, complete victory, not partial, y'all. I, I really want to harp on this for a minute, not partial. Like he's not going to be totally addicted to pornography. He's not going to get into the really bad stuff. You know, he'll struggle here and there and that's fine. Or she'll struggle here. No, 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 no. You stay in a place where you have absolute trust that this thing, whatever you're dealing with, deception will not be a part of my child's life. Anger and rage will not be a part of my child's life. You stay in trust that God has the full victory for your child. You stay in confidence in the fact that God is going to keep working through you and through others and through your child to make sure that he wins, she wins. And you stay in your own authority. I'm telling you, we have contended over things. Oh, Last year, it was a solid year before whatever was underlying that we could feel for almost a year, laying in our bed at night, declaring, decreeing, really, 
whatever sin is trying to take down our kid, because we know how, you know how they act when they're in sin, right? You know, like whether they're two or 20. You know when your kid, you know your kid. If you know your kid, you know when something's not, when something's off. And with one of our children, it was like, something's off, something's way off. And I started telling Eric, oh, something's off. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's not good. And he's like, ah, babe, you know, differentiating, pulling away, getting ready to go to college. Are you sure? No, I'm sure. Something's not right. I can just sniff it, you know. And he was like, well, okay, I'll pray into that. Didn't blow me off, didn't. Just like, I'll pray into that. And then he's like, I really think it's okay. Nope, not okay. So as we started saying, God, you got to speak. When you are in spiritual warfare, look in scripture. You are dependent on the voice and the knowledge and the revelation of God. The voice, the knowledge, and the revelation of God. You have to have that way more than you have to start controlling your kid hypervigilantly. I'm not saying there aren't times you have to control, you have to really set boundaries over your kids. I'm saying you need the voice of God. You need the revelation of God much more than you need anything else. And we started praying our guts out. God, show us. God, come. God, do whatever you have to do. He started giving us dreams. I had a dream. He had a dream. We started going to our kid individually, not even with each other. We didn't know each other did this. Going to our kid. Hey, God gave, us, God gave me this dream. Anything about this dream? Nope. 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 Squeaky clean good. No, you're not. And I'm not quitting. I'm not controlling you because I know God's going to come. Okay? So it took nine months for God to bring things to light through actually another person. Praise the Lord. Because he's on our side. I tell that kids that, our kids that all the time. When you're in sin, he's on our side. Because he's for you. And he will bring it to light. Guaranteed he will bring it to light because of how much he loves you. So it comes to light. We start dealing with it. And when I say dealing with it, I mean dealing with it. We're praying. We're declaring. And so we address this. And and literally, I, I literally remember the day. This is before it came to light. I was like, oh, I can finally breathe, Eric. We're having breakthrough. And he's like, but nothing's changed. I said, no, we're having breakthrough. He's not, the enemy doesn't have our kid anymore. And he was like, praise God. I was like, yeah, praise God. But I said, but we're not done because the, what we're really contending for is the connection, right? That all this that stayed in secret, that he's going to be able to bring it out and we're going to be able to walk together in it. So I said, I really believe that the sin is stopping, but I really believe that we have to keep contending for the relational connection. So it took three more months three more months, a solid year, when our child comes and says, okay, I'm ready to share what all happened last year. There is that relational connection. So you're really fighting for two things. You're fighting against the enemy and you're fighting for connection. Now I want to go back to Genesis and I'm going to hand this over to Eric. In Genesis, when, when the children, uh, when Adam and Eve have sinned, First, God, when we said this last week, God goes after them. He comes to them. He fights for them. And the very first thing he does is listen to them. He listens. He asks really good questions and he listens to his children. This is important 
Because when they get to speak and they get to share and you're responding to them in appropriate love and confidence and declaration of truth over them and their situation, then they can feel close to your heart. And then he does something very, innocent, very interesting in Genesis 3. He turns around, once he, once he knows what's happened, he turns around and he curses the devil. It's the first thing he does. Before he gives consequences, before he really does anything, he curses the devil. He says to the devil, cursed are you. Basically, you mess with my child. And he makes a declaration to the enemy uh, uh, while in the presence of his children. He says, you will strike his heel. He will crush your head. When you are in warfare with your children, first of all, a lot of times you have to speak in a way that they can see the warfare. And we will say, you are deceiving and lying to mom and dad. And I want you to know that that's where the enemy wants to keep you. The weight of sin is excruciating. God wants you free. Speaking the truth brings freedom. Okay, I'm teaching them the warfare piece. This is what the enemy wants. This is what God wants for you. I'm not. You lied, you lied, you lied. You hear the difference. We're not just about behavior, y'all. We're about shepherding a heart. We're about helping them see, equipping them for the battle. So I'm saying, this is what the enemy wants. Eric's saying, this is what God has for you. And we're going to find the pathway, son. That's what we're going to do. And you're going to win and you're not going to tell lies. You're going to have the courage and the strength as a man of God to confess your sin and make it right to people. That's, what, that's who you are and that's who you're going to be. And then we, they hear us, enemy, back off. This is a truth teller, and he, it, he is going to do so much with truth in his lifetime. You're going to wish you never messed with him. And they hear us. And how are they going to learn to battle him when they're outside of our home? By watching us do it in front of them. And so we put the enemy in his place, and we tell him what's up, and then we tell our child who they are. And then we give them consequences. Everybody say, give them consequences. I just want you to look at Genesis 3. He did not leave out the consequences. He did not wimp. But what he did with consequences was set, the consequences were to set them on a path of restoration to God and fullness of life. And that's what you want your consequences to do. And when you're explaining your consequences, you want to explain how those consequences are part of the heart of God bringing them back. Is that, are, you, are you understanding what I'm saying there? Okay, so this is really important because ultimately what we want is we want our kids to understand and appropriate their own authority in Christ. And your times of discipline and your times of instruction and your times of connecting are the best way for them to begin to understand how they walk out their authority in Christ. When they see you doing it over them, when they hear your declarations over them in the midst of their sin, who are the spiritual fathers that came to you and said, I see your junk, I see your crap, I see how bad it is, and here's the truth, right? And where did you learn and grow your spiritual muscles to say, here's the truth, enemy, back off my life in this place because this is who I am. And this is what I'm made to do, and I'm going to do it. And your days are numbered. That's really ultimately what you want. Start young. Don't quit when they're older. All you older dads, come on. True? Don't quit when they're older. Don't quit when they're older. Be faithful in prayer. 
you win. Guys, remember this. And that's where that believing thing comes into play. When you're seeing the junk and the warfare and the battle over your kids, it is so easy to start believing that you've lost. You've lost them or you're losing and you're just not. You're just not. Because however deep, however long the battle, as long as you continue to, and I know they have their own, hear me, I know they have their own choices. And I also know that you have a God that intercedes for you in the middle of your choices, and eventually he wins. And so you take that rightful place of intercession with your child, and you say, no matter how long this battle is, I'm not quitting until we see the manifestation of the kingdom of God in their life. Right? Okay, here's Eric. All right, so first of all, I'll extend an apology for all you linear thinkers or uh, those that want to hear something linearly, uh, getting from A to Z, because the rest of what you're going to hear this morning doesn't kind of follow an A to Z pattern. Um, Also, I want to say that you're going to hear an undercurrent uh, within what I share here in the next few minutes that's going to line up a lot with what you just heard from Shelly. I'm also going to put that question in front of you. Think about this question as I share, as I talk about a couple of different things. What is spiritual warfare? Can you not hear me in the back? Am I too soft? All right, so here's the second part as I, as I talk to you. Our goal is to establish the kingdom culture as a primary part of our home because it creates the atmosphere needed for relationship, growth, and connection. Uh, I want to begin just by kind of sharing my own personal story. Uh, I grew up in, I think uh, some of you, if all of you were here, then you heard I grew up in Argentina as a missionary kid, Uh, came back to the States. Uh, My dad stayed within the ministry and was a preacher. So I was fortunate in that the Bible was part of our home every morning. Uh, My parents would read the Bible to us at the breakfast table. It created a routine in the home that that I was used to and familiar with. Well, that that used to and familiar with became part of my own walk. I naturally started to read the Word on my own. I would journal. I would listen to a cappella music. Uh, For some of you, that may be very foreign, Uh, but... It was part of just my routine, and I'll be honest with you, part of that routine was uh, creating identity, part of that routine was helping me stay within the family culture, Uh, and part of it was religion. So let's just be honest, part of it was just fulfilling an act to be faithful, to be a Christian. But as I matured and as I became uh, a teenager and then I was in college, that routine helped ground me. It helped me set myself up for the battles that were ahead or the battles that I was going through. The important part of of that routine, though, that I want you to realize is that as I was doing it, I began to experience relationship with God and not religion with God. And so 
when we think about ourselves as men and as fathers, what, what is the routine that we're creating ourselves for ourselves? Because ultimately, as a father and as a husband, we're emulating, as I said last week, we are embracing the identity that, that we are supposed to be. We're carrying the DNA of God, uh, Father God. And the, 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 the time that you're going to know that you're, you're getting there is uh, when, like in my case, we had our first son. I started to do the nighttime routine with my sweet wife, trying to let her have a little bit of rest. So I, I'd, I'd not feed, I'd take the child to my wife, and, and then uh, that would be taken care of. And then I would stay up because he, was, he was, uh, had real bad reflux. I'd stay up for the next hour and a half doing this bouncing thing so that he could fall back to sleep. But with that came... The lack of sleep, with the lack of sleep came the lack of routine in the morning. With the lack of routine in the morning, I stopped my quiet time. I stopped getting in the presence of God. So, so much so that it happened for about three months, and three months into uh, life with our firstborn son, I, I probably wasn't necessarily grumpy because I had the lack of presence of God. I uh, was probably tired some and agitated some. But the thing that I was awakened to is that I missed God. I missed his presence. I missed his voice. I lamented. I want you to get to that place with your relationship with God, to have the presence of God such on your life that you miss him when you don't have him. You can't know who you are as a man if he is not abiding with you. You're not abiding with him. I want to give two examples. Let's go to the next bullet too. Two Old Testament examples of abiding presence of God. So there was one group of men, Daniel and his buddies. They knew what it was like to abide with the Lord. They knew his ways. They wanted to remain in his ways. And when they were pressured to stop walking in his ways, they said, no, no, please, for us, We want to stay remaining in the way that God calls us to be. And they said, the guy that's leading over them says, okay, but I'll give you only a week to do that. If you're in bad shape, it's my head, and and I'm not for that, so it's going to be over. you got 10 days to prove that the ways that you believe are better work. And we know the story. Daniel and his buddies, they look stronger. Their skin tone is better. Everything about them, their wisdom, because of that, because they remain in the presence of God, because they remain in his ways, they were given favor. They were given places of leadership. We have the next story, the Israelites, a whole community that knew God's ways. What did they do? They grumbled. They complained. They said, oh, please send us back to Egypt. We knew it there. We knew uh, that we would be provided for. And yet here God is providing for them. He is keeping their clothes from running, you know, and tearing and, and, and needing to get new ones. He's still abiding with them, but this group of people stopped believing in God, stopped believing in His way, stopped believing in His nature, stopped believing. And what happened to those that stopped believing in God's nature? They didn't get the promise, right? They couldn't uh, access... They couldn't take hold of the promises of God, and so that whole generation had to be removed from God's presence so that he could put his presence and his promise 
and a group of people that believed in him and his ways. Right? I'm going to go jump to another anecdotal piece. So I, I love science. I love trying to understand culture. I love trying to understand people. And I heard about this uh, reality of the power of words. I came across it in this uh, commercial from Ikea. We're in Singapore at a school. They had these two plants that they told these, all these uh, middle schoolers, hey, listen, this plant right here, we want to show you the power of your words. And this plant, we want you to speak so kind and loving to this plant. But this plant over here, guess what, guys? You get to curse at it. You get to speak anything vile that you want to. Whatever you want to do that's ugly and negative uh, and shameful, speak to this plant. As the commercial shows, this plant grows, it's beautiful green, it's lush, it's, it's wonderful. And the kids watch this other plant, and it just, it's starting to die and wilt and turn brown. And uh, they, they talk about the power of words, the, the bullying effect that was, you know, has been happening for the last 10 years or more, and the effect of the words that are used. Well, me being a scientist, I'm going, well, yeah, well, you manipulated it probably because you stopped watering it. It has nothing to do with words. That, that can't be true. Well, thankfully for Mythbusters, they actually did test this, right? So anybody that knows Mythbusters, they do it by science. So here's a, a five set of uh, plants. They, they do something very similar, speaking words that are good, speaking words that are bad. They had classical music, and they had hard rock, and then they had silence. And I just was sure I was going to know the outcome of all this, that you know, words really don't do anything, and, you know, it doesn't matter what we do to plants, plants are plants. It's not what happened, and if any of you saw, you know the results, right? The, the words that were spoken, good or bad, had little effect. They were kind of green. The pods were, you know, they weren't, they were average, nothing exciting about it. The classical music, same thing, a little bit, uh, the pods, green. The hard rock, amazingly enough, though, the pods were huge, and the green plants were very big. And I thought, my gosh, well, what in the world? And then they got to the last one of silence. They were brown. They were wilted, and there were no pods. And what the Lord spoke and what the guys on the show spoke was, it was about presence. It was about the plants acknowledging the atmosphere that's around them. And I thought, well, if God created plants to need presence, whatever that is, how much more do people need presence? Go ahead. So we talked last week about the importance of creating these routines. And at the end of this, you see, does it, does it really matter that I'm here? Well, if science tells us that it really matters that we're here, and God's ways says it really matters that we're here, how much more should we be listening to God's ways and be present in the lives of our children? For all of you that are A-types, for all of you that are workaholics, for all of you that um, get tired during the workday, I have been convinced and convicted by this truth that my presence matters to my children. And I want to encourage you to consider that your presence in whatever way you are with your kids matters. Go to the next one, please. 
That, go ahead. That, that time that we're with our kids does several things. It creates a memory bank, it creates connection, and it creates foundation for further growth. When, when we are with them, whatever that may be, it doesn't have to be meaningful. I think I talked a little bit about the Wednesday lunch. We don't, I don't show up going, what could I talk, what spiritual principle could I you know, suggest to them that they start following because they're struggling with lying, because they're struggling with peer pressure. You know, I show up, and I want to encourage you, sometimes just showing up, God does the amazing thing. Sometimes it is that they have something that they need to talk to. Sometimes it's just talking about buddies and natural stuff. I will be surprised that those conversations invoke opportunity for that further growth later on. My second-year-old, uh, second-year-old, my second child, um, I don't know what conversation lunch spurred it on. I was talking about history with his mom uh, in dating. He's, he's a teenager Maybe that was important, but it invoked in him an opportunity to recognize in himself a struggle with his sexuality and, and the issue of pornography. Because I talked about that, he wanted what he heard about his, his dad's story with mom for himself, that months later he said, I, I need to talk to you about this. Because you, and mom, you said you and mom walked this way, I want that, and I don't, I don't know how to get there. That conversation that took two hours or more couldn't have happened if I hadn't been present for lunch. The connection. My boys and I are connected. That connection allows them to know when there's the outside world experience, they can tell what is healthy and what is not. Your daughters need to know what is a healthy male or not. They don't need to find their, am I beautiful? Am I attractive? Am I worthy? From anyone outside of you. Before the right time. They need to know that that connection with dad, there's, a, there's an ability for themselves. You guys know this. I'm sure many of you have realized that you will help them discern what it is as a man that, they, that they're going to be longing for. And I would say for your spouses, the boys need to know what a godly wife and a godly woman looks like so that they could, your wife and you yourself are the litmus for everybody outside the world. I want to go to one last story because my time is up. We're going to hop. Um, now let me throw this out there. Um, when, when we do this presence with them, when we walk with them, it helps them gain their identity. It helps them become socially capable. And all those things empowers them to gain favor. Now I want to talk about the last presence, though. The Old Testament gives us a model for what it's supposed to be like. If you look in the book of Genesis, did I reference it? No. Genesis 28. I'm going to rush through this, but I hope you'll hear what you're going for here. In Genesis 28, we have the story of Jacob. And uh, Jacob goes, he, he 
uh, finds a place, it's late at night, he gets a rock, lays his head down, and then he has this experience. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and on top of it it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your offspring shall all families of the earth be blessed. Later on it says, Jacob, uh, when he wakes up, he says, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. This is an awesome story. And, and everything that I want to talk to you about in this 15 minutes is about four different lessons. This is the New Testament. This is the gospel. God is about restoring relationship. It's not about behavior we talked about last week. The spiritual battle is for you yourself to enable your kids to get this truth. And the truth is that if they are abiding in Christ, they are the temple, as Jesus said, our bodies are the temple that carries the Holy Spirit, where angels descend and ascend with the messages from God to do the will of God on earth. It's not complicated if that's our goal. We were all made to have within us or to carry the presence of God everywhere we go. And when we teach our kids to abide in the presence, to carry the presence of God, to be the men and the women that they're supposed to be, everything that we're after in this world will be accomplished. Restoring the relationships between God and man, restoring the relationship between man and man, restoring the relationship between uh, man and himself, and restoring relations between a man and the earth. Whether that's, whether that's you being a marketplace minister, whether that's you being a good father, a good coach, whether that's you being a good husband, all those things will come out of that presence being upon you. The, I like in the charismatic church, we talk about this portal to heaven where it's open. It's supposed to be above every single one of us. The portal of heaven, the gateway to heaven, where the messages of God come down to you, that impression that you have to speak something to somebody, we're teaching our kids. They themselves are the temple of God. They themselves carry the presence of God. They themselves need to be aware and ready to invoke the will of God on earth. Whether they're on campus and they have this little thought, that girl that just walked by, I feel like I'm supposed to say X to her. And if they are walking with us and seeing how we abide in the presence of God and we do these things, then it's naturally for them to then take that step towards that girl and go, I know this may not be normal and I, or whatever, but I feel like you need to hear this. And stumbling through it says whatever needed to be said to that young girl who is very depressed, discouraged, or whatever, 
in an appropriate way, and all of a sudden he's invoked a truth. He's invoked the will of God. He's invoked a restoring of relationship for this young person. That's what we're after, abiding ourselves in the presence of God and teaching our children how to abide themselves with the presence of God because His will will be fulfilled on earth as it is in heaven when they fully are able to embrace that truth. It's not about behavior. It's about relationship. So, in both of these, I'm, I'm going to share two stories, and y'all are going to get in your small group, but um, th- we did this on purpose because there's a spiritual battle. But, man, it gets so super practical when it all comes down to presence. And they learn presence through learning it with you. And I do not know any bigger battle in our culture than fathers being present with their children. I don't know a bigger battle, y'all. And all you have to do is look at your own life. And I'm saying time, I'm saying emotional connection, and I'm saying spiritual connectedness and discipleship from fathers is severely lacking. And until we have it back, we will not be the church that God designed us to be. Until that one, why can I say that? Because the Father's presence from the garden to the resurrection to when he comes back is the ultimate answer. It's the ultimate pathway to our victory. Without the Father's presence, we've got nothing, y'all. We can't win. I remember we used to play this game. We were teaching our kids about spiritual warfare. And somebody in the house, yes, don't, please don't turn us into CPS. Literally in, in our house, we would, we, Eric said, let's use a knife because it's real. Nope, we're going to use a fork because I can't stand it. And we eventually went to spoons because we have boys and it got really, you know, n- they got really intense. But we would, we were trying to teach them the importance of prayer and spiritual warfare. And so somebody would play the devil and we'd run after and they'd all run to the prayer closet. We had a prayer closet that we created to help them understand this. And so they would run to the prayer closet and they would pray and ask God for strategy and how are we going to defeat him and listen for God's voice and go implement that strategy. And then, of course, the devil would die and they had to make that, you know, y'all, 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 in Jesus' name, go, you know. And we were teaching them very practical, like you pray, you ask God, you seek his voice, you seek his voice, you obey him immediately and completely, and you tell the devil that you go and you have that authority and you win, okay? So this one time, our son, who is highly competitive and wants to win at everything all the time, never say die, doesn't matter. He will carry three, he's 140 pounds, and he will literally carry three 200-pound men on his back down the football field. There's something in the kid. It's just a fight that I, I can't even describe. I wonder what God's going to do with it. It's going to be awesome, except for when you're trying to discipline it. But, okay, so... Literally, he looks at his daddy. I'll never forget the intensity in his eyes. He's probably, what, eight, maybe eight, nine. He looks at his daddy and he goes, Daddy, how do you win against the devil every single time? And I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. Because one of our other kids was playing the devil at the time. So I'm looking at Eric like, what are you going to say? Like, are you going to say prayer? Are you going to say the word? What are you going to say? And, and I'm just looking at him. He goes, he lays down on the ground in the closet right beside Jeremiah, and he goes, come here, buddy. And I'm thinking, what is he doing? And he goes, and he just pulls him as close to him as he can. And he says, 
if you, he goes, look at my eyes. And he's looking up at his daddy, just wrapped up in his arms. And he goes, if you want to win against the devil every single time, no matter what, you get as close to Jesus as you can possibly get. And you stay there because he, when he comes, he fights the devil and he wins. He destroys the devil. And Jeremiah just, I just remember him relaxing in his daddy's arms and he goes, okay, daddy. And we did this on purpose to tell you, because we want to leave you with what Eric said. If there's one thing, guys, you can pray every prayer. You can declare everything. You can please do that. Worship over your children. Do whatever you have to do. Stay in for the fight. But there is nothing. There is not one thing that will be more profoundly impactful to your children knowing how to fight the devil for the rest of their life after you're gone than your presence with them right now. That it is, ev- it is so everything. It's everything. So, Lord, we just pray right now for a blessing in, this, in, the, in the time that these men have together. Would you come? Would you bless their, um, their, their time of discussion? And, God, I am praying uh, in, in, in complete confidence that you're going to, number one, show them how just one simple step of how to be present with their individual children, each one of them, show them, each one of them, with their kids and their grandkids, what it looks like practically, Lord, to be present for each one of their personality types, for each one of their ways they connect. I pray for divine revelation for these fathers of what's going to have to change and what's going to look different for each one of their kids just to be present with them, God. And in Jesus' name, I just declare, God, any place of unbelief, any place of doubt, any place we've come and agreed with the lies of the enemy over our kids or agreed with hopelessness over the transformation of their situation, God, we just declare that, that the presence of Christ, the truth of God's word, the victory of Jesus by the, by the blood that he shed, God, is ours. And we take back that ground and we just say, Father, would you infuse faith trust, hope, and belief, God, in any situation that needs to be, um, needs to be turned around, God, I pray for these men to be the warrior mantle carriers of that victory over their family and over their children and grandchildren and future generations. Give them declarations to make, give them the faith, God, to stay in and help them know strategically how to move in to connect with their kids. In Jesus' name, amen. So two questions, I mean, two questions I want you all to answer in your small groups. Number one is, what is one thing I need to change to be present, to be more present with my kids? And number two would be, is there any place that I need to get in alignment belief-wise with the, with the kingdom of heaven or with God over one of your children? Okay, and speak it out.